thanks again, everybody, for joining us here on Rare Perspectives, a podcast, now video cast by Patient Services Incorporated. Dad, you can find us like on YouTube and, and Facebook, IGTV, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And uh, we do invite you to listen to some of our previous episodes, write a review, share it with your friends, family network. Uh, together, let's share these stories. These are powerful stories of heroes uh, in our midst here within the rare disease community. Uh, today on our episode, we are so honored to have uh, the new CEO of PSI, Gwen Cooper, with us. Gwen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. You can feel I just probably just had a workout. I'm just like, I'm ready to go. And I'm talking to Gwen Cooper today. And um, I am excited about our time. We've got a lot of uh, ground to cover. We just want to get to know you and introduce you to our audience and to our patients and advocates uh, around the world. And uh, we want to just jump in if we can and just ask you, tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe some of the previous work that you've done. Well, thanks, Gunnar. This is, it's an honor to be here. It's really fun to do this with you. Um, what a lot of people don't know, I'm brand new to PSI. And so I got my start in media and TV and radio and broadcasting. And um, so to see how far we've come in technology is really fun. But, um, you know, back in the day, I did that very first webinar with a microphone in front of you and hoping that it got somewhere. So this, yeah. this is truly fun. Um, so a little bit about me from a personal perspective. Uh, I've, I've got two boys that are 17 years apart. That's a story all unto itself. Um, my husband and I are relocating with our youngest son to Virginia from Kentuckyana. And if you were to say, where's home? Grew up in Baltimore and lived most of my adult life in Florida. So we've been all over. Um, because I grew up in Baltimore, Virginia is not that far of a stretch. And uh, from a career perspective, I've been in healthcare. Once I left the media and radio world, I jumped right into community um, service work through Jewish community centers and YMCAs, and then went right into healthcare, working first with the Arthritis Foundation, and then as CEO of Community Health Charities of Florida for most for over 12 years, and then um, went into behavioral health on the provider side and then into hospice and palliative care on the provider side and now i'm here so lots yeah. to talk about from a healthcare perspective absolutely and, and as we as we get into that part of your career what was the transition what led you from the media uh, doing you know the media field to what you were doing in the health industry uh, tell us a little bit about that transition that's a great question and you know what no one's ever asked me that um when my um, when I was working in the Jewish Community Center field, which I grew up in Jewish Community Center and uh, was a lifeguard and all the things that you do when you live in a community. Yeah. Um, while I was still in radio, I started writing children's fitness programs because I was coming into contact with a lot of kids that had special needs. And I realized that kids learn through movement. And so, wow, I know I've got this radio background and music background. I'll just start writing some fitness programs because I was into fitness yeah. and I um, had an opportunity to pilot the program. It mm -hmm. actually was in the President's Council on Fitness programs back in the, um, I guess that was the late eighties. And from that was a wonderful experience to write, produce, and then pilot these kids fitness programs. And so I started learning about healthcare wow. and I became the first um, person mm -hmm. certified in the state of Maryland to teach people at the time we called it handicapped sports. Now it's, I don't even know what it's called, but uh, so 
so I was certified in that and started getting certified in all different types of, of fitness and looking at the different populations we were serving and they were we were serving populations with diseases where they benefited by the facilities that we had at the JCC yeah. so if you had MS we needed to have our pools as a uh, colder temperature versus if you had a different type of, of disease we had to raise the temperature of the pool so that people could do rehab arthritis for example um, and I really got intrigued by it so when we moved to Florida because I wanted to get back to Florida I went to undergrad at the University of South Florida um, moved to Florida to work and run a Jewish community center and um, was exposed to the arthritis foundation from members there and looked at the programs and then I found out they had the executive director position open and I thought my dad had arthritis, severe arthritis, mm -hmm. uh, most of his life. So I was very close to the cause Yeah. and jumped right in with both feet and wow. never looked back. That's incredible, you know, and just as we find our way in life and you just find that passion and just those things that just, that they, they, they show up on the scene in life, you know, we were searching for it and there it was. and. Um, you know, there, I think I remember reading, you know, find, find a job you love and you never have to work another day the rest of your life, you know, right. and just the work that you're doing has to be so fulfilling. Well, that was, you know, I, I always said that was my first exposure to nonprofit. And then I realized it wasn't because Jewish yeah. community centers are nonprofit. Sure. Um, working in radio is nonprofit. But, um, <laughs> you know what, the, the, the part of mission driven work. Yeah. It's true. If you believe in what you're doing, it's so easy to ask. Yeah. And that's everything starts with the ask. That's How right. do we help people? Will you ask for help? Wow. Now fitness in the eighties. I mean, just, you know, I know that's another part of the thread that we'll talk about. I'm sure throughout this, uh, our conversation today, I mean, you've seen it all. I mean, just working on that in the eighties, you know, just the awareness to where we are now has got to have been an incredible journey. Well, it is. It was. It still is. It's a big part of my life. Um, my parents both died very young. And so my brother and I were committed to, we were going to change the, the DNA and the yeah. health status of our family. Um, and we did. We both did. We're very, we're both very active. And so being, you know, your body is a machine. And if you think about a machine, some things can go wrong in your body. And so how do you help keep that body in good shape, just like you do a car? And that that truly is our way of, of thinking. And it's, it's so important to health, health yeah. and well-being. Um, so it's been a constant thread throughout my career. And it actually helps inform all the diseases that we serve, Absolutely. that we represent and, the, and helping people in their own lives, you know, look at their health care and how that can um, help slow the progression of some diseases and all kinds, I mean, just on and on. It's amazing how, you know, it's just how over time and just the work that you've done, it's just uniquely positioned you for such a time as this, hasn't it? It has. So community health charities, a lot of people may not know community health charities of America. We were community health charities of Florida. Mm -hmm. um, we represented 65 health wow. organizations, voluntary health agencies, mm -hmm. and we represented them in uh, workplace giving and in advocacy. And so when you are at the helm of that, wonderful statewide organization you learn about every disease and illness out there and then how they're all interrelated and i can tell you a story i um when i worked at the arthritis foundation i started i was supposed to have my interview uh, for the position and my dad died suddenly and they actually held the interview for me which was wonderful um 
and I was talking to a doctor, his name is Dr. Robert Good, and some of our uh, viewers may have heard of him. He was the father of immunology. Mm. And he was on our board for the Arthritis Foundation. And, and I was sitting with him and I consider him a mentor because he is the one who showed me how diseases are interrelated and how one disease informs or, or um, helps another one progress, et cetera. And it was the best learning about how, what happens to the human body when you're not feeling good. And I, I took that, those lessons throughout my entire career. It's helped shape everything I do because with community health charities, when you're representing 65 health agencies, that's hundreds and thousands of diseases. Wow. And you have to know how to talk about them. Yeah. And you have to know how it affects people. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have been really, really lucky yeah. in my career to, that would bring me to this point at yeah. PSI. And, and just the power of mentors, right? along oh. the way i mean maybe tell us a little bit about just how important are mentors the uh they're they're life-changing career-changing relationship changing um yeah. it's an honor to mentor people but it should be a requirement it should just be part of your way of life yeah. it's just you know you should be the heart of a teacher i don't know if that you've you know yeah um, dave ramsey always says well, the heart of a teacher mm -hmm. and so that's what you should that should be a part of you absolutely Hundred percent, and here we are, and, and you're in Florida right at the time, and 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 then PSI, you know, this opportunity shows up on the radar. What was it about PSI that's like, okay, I want to. Well, we this. we actually um, we're living in Kentucky, Anna is what we call it, Southern Indiana. Um, when I saw the opportunity for PSI, so we moved from Florida to the Metro Louisville area, uh, it's where my husband's family is from. And my brother-in-law has a traumatic brain injury and we are his guardians. So hindsight, we probably could have moved him to Florida, but we moved to Kentucky to make sure we were there for, for our family. Um, and when I was reading an article on LinkedIn, just a friend of mine had written an article and I clicked a hyperlink to learn more about whatever, well, I don't even remember what it was. And PSI popped up and the job opportunity popped up and I went, wow, this is really full circle to everything I've ever done. Yeah. Uh, behavioral health and supportive care, palliative care, um, community health charities. And so I had to apply. It took me very little time to just pour out the cover letter yeah. Um, because it just made sense to me. And then the process moved pretty quickly after that. Yeah. So then here we are. And, here we are. Uh, and it's been just a couple months now. Um, yes, months. Right. And, and here we are in this, uh, this unprecedented time, uh, COVID-19 and the quarantines working remotely and, and moving. And says, so what's it been like taking on a new role during uh, COVID-19? You know, there's no rule book for this. Yeah. Um, there's no rule book for your personal life, for your professional life, um, in leadership. And so I think we're all continuing to figure it out. Um, would I recommend somebody move during a pandemic? Probably not, but you learn how to make the best of it. How resilient are you? Sure. Uh, you know, there are, there are silver linings in it. The silver lining is that I get to, to really work with our team a lot more closely, whether it's virtual or if we pop into the office for a socially distant meeting. Yeah. Um, so I get to do that more than just jumping on the road and meeting some of our donors. And so yeah. there's, there's the silver linings to kind of learn the business a little bit, that length of time a little bit longer than I may have had. Yeah, it's just a yeah, different, different, different pace, just a whole different rhythm to adjust to. And mm -hmm. then 
uh, you know, moving and, and things like that. I mean, what's, what's kept you, um, how do you balance? Um, you know, it's funny. There isn't a balance. There is a, let's figure out how we get through the day. Because if you try to balance everything, it's just, I look at balance as what are our priorities? First of all, what do we have to get done? And then what, what do I need to do to support getting those goals done for that day? Yeah. And as we've talked about for me, make sure that I exercise or, you know, family, families first. And yeah. how do you just carve out the time and you need to have um, good support. And my husband and I are a true team and, you know, I don't, I don't have to work that. That's one part. I don't have to worry about. We're a team and we get it done. Absolutely. And then family first, you know, I've, you know, mm -hmm. I've read uh, interviews with you and sharing that, you know, tell us a little bit about that, you know, as far as being in leadership and just over your career, just the importance of family. Um, I'm fortunate. My husband is my biggest fan and my biggest critic. Yeah. So, you know, the uh, trust and I've got, I mean, my brother is in healthcare. Um, my, my oldest son is, is older. He's actually um, in the military. And so we are also a military family. So when, for us, it's really about our responsibilities, um, our agendas that we put forth and follow. And um, the, our family structure just is one that allows us to succeed. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we try to instill in our kids too, is to make sure that they have the same value system that we do. Absolutely. And then staying and being active together and, and oh, yeah. uh, you know, seeking health and fitness and, you know, and getting on a good run uh, to, to get things going is, you know, with your new role here at PSI, what's, what's some of the things that you're most looking forward to and bringing Wait. with you? It, um, it's a, it's an honor to be able to serve our patients. Yeah. And if you, if you believe in the mission, like I do, I mean, what a, um, a, a blessing we are to be able to go out there and say, look, these, these patients need help and we want to be able to help them. And so here's all these ways that you get to participate, yeah. um, whether it's advocacy, donations, et cetera. Um, the knowledge that I bring to the table from my experiences and especially in the behavioral health space and working in behavioral health for a long time, I have a, I feel a unique aspect in how mental health informs our physical health. Mm. And it, 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 it may be a little bit different in how I would portray PSI in my own mind and introduce yeah. PSI and introduce what we do and the necessity of making sure people can have their medication so that they can focus on everything else. Absolutely. That's exciting. And in, in, in that, you know, maybe what, what are some of the initiatives that you're excited about that PSI is involved in right now? Um, we are working right now on trying to get an emergency provision in the um, next COVID relief package. Yes. Um, if we're fortunate to have it succeed, that's fabulous. If not, we know we've got a vehicle that we can work on in the next Congress when Congress um, starts up again in January. Um, this is to, this provision and advocacy is very near and dear to my heart. I've been lobbying for 20 years. Yeah. Um, so building on the relationships that we have with our elected officials, how do we utilize this pandemic yeah. to benefit our patients? Mm -hmm. And um, it to me is a no-brainer that if somebody is newly unemployed because of the pandemic and they now can't afford to pay their health insurance and we yeah. have the money to pay for it, we should be able to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it truly is that simple to me. Yeah. And so a lot of times politics will get in the way of sim 
simple solutions. And so how do we at PSI communicate these simple solutions to our elected officials so that they can say, oh yeah, we need to do this. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's the, this unprecedented time. It's a scary for a lot of people, but just those within the, in the chronic illness, rare disease community, uh, it can be absolutely overwhelming. And to yes. be able to be an advocate, it's just a, it's crucial. And, it, you know, some people will say, you know, you're too pie in the sky and optimistic and altruistic. Um, it's not that easy to change things. It's not. But I will tell you my experiences since the beginning of COVID, um, working on the front lines in creating legislation and helping pass telehealth and all the things that we did in the hospice industry to make sure hospice was um, included in the, the new regulations uh, pertaining to COVID, yeah. people will stand up and listen when it's important. Yeah. And, and this pandemic has taught me that if you've got really good relationships with your um, elected officials, this is when you leverage them and yeah. say, we have to work together. Mm -hmm. And what I have seen in the first package is that a lot of um, people work together to make sure that patients were taken care of and, and Americans were had the relief they needed in the beginning of the pandemic. Absolutely. And, and, and for our audience uh, here on this episode of Rare Perspectives, you can, you can visit the website, you can listen to our previous uh, podcast episodes. We've, we've had some conversations about this package that we're working on. Even last, our last episode, speaking with Amy Jackson about most commonly asked uh, insurance questions. Yep. And so, you know, definitely invite you to uh, check out our archives and listen to some of these other podcasts and follow us on social media to, to learn more about what you can do to to partner with PSI as we partner with uh, so many to uh, to get the message out. Uh, it's so critical, isn't it? And social media, boy, that's changed uh, things, hasn't it, over the last 10 years as far as advocacy goes? Oh, absolutely. There's, um, yes. I mean, I, <laughs> I could elaborate on all that, but um, we, have a, we have lots of vehicles at our disposal to get our message out. Yeah. And uh, consistency in our messaging is really important. So we work with United um, yeah. Charitable Assistance Group so that our, our disease organizations, we're all talking from the same book about what it is we need and how we're going to get there. Yeah. And what would you say to uh, maybe patients, care, caregivers and staffs listening to this episode, um, wondering, you know, what can we do? Now, of course, we invite you to, to listen to some of our podcasts, go to our website, social media, and there's some call to actions there. But what would you like to say to them as far as encouraging them that, hey, your voice matters? Well, their voices do matter. And um, we want them to use their voices. And we have tools on our website that they can send letters to their uh, elected officials and their delegations. But really it's one-on-one -on -one conversations and it's one-on-one -on -one relationships. And when we are able to go out safely and talk with people again, I encourage people to go to the town halls and bring up your issues in a very um, collaborative way of conversation. And that's one of the things when you talk about what I bring to the table at PSI is how do we re-educate people, um, especially after the election, because there'll be some turnover. We don't know what it will be yet, yeah. Yeah. but how do we take an opportunity in a new Congress to re-educate? Mm. How do mm. we talk about ourselves? Yeah. What, you know, what is our messaging? Because mm. we have some such talented people on PSI's staff, mm -hmm. And it's what sometimes when you come in from the outside, all you're doing is putting a fresh pair of eyes yes. on something and saying, oh, wow, that's like amazing. What if we said it this way? Yeah. Or what if we approached it this way? Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
okay because you don't you don't know what you don't know but sometimes you know what you do know that's and you right don't know you need to know it. something new absolutely and being willing to, to to learn those things i mean incredible though as i'm, just, as I'm listening to you talk i just I, i'm thinking over the course of your career from just media you know and and, and how that's informed and then what you've been doing in florida and your work and your advocacy work and nonprofits and just how it's just really has it's all come together for such a time as this mm -hmm. and the time is now isn't it to, to move forward as we do get ready for this uh election well and i think from my own perspective having um worked in advocacy and changed laws in florida and kentucky and yeah. indiana and at the federal level yeah. it really gives me a different perspective every state is different yeah. every state um the way you you work on advocacy is different. The personalities are different. And so having that multi-state um, experience has taught me to do a whole lot more listening and asking a whole lot of questions before I even give my opinion on anything. Mm -hmm. that, and, and that takes, you know, and that takes a lot of just the experience in that, right? Just that sometimes restraint, I would imagine, and some humility of just like, okay, I'm just, you know, because sometimes you just want to jump in there and go. And so just that expertise and, and experience is so crucial. And what uh, PSI is so blessed to have you. Well, and you get that expertise gunner by making mistakes <laughs> <laughs> been there been there done that bought the t-shirt and uh, <laughs> like i said over over time on that one they're exactly right you know if, if, if you know when we make mistakes you know it's just that willingness though right to to say you know what owning it and learning from it and be getting right. better from it right right yeah absolutely yeah getting back you know just to, you know a few more questions again just appreciate your time with us and the special occasion here to have again just here with Gwen Cooper, CEO of PSI. Looking back on life, uh, Gwen, and just the entirety of life, what do you want to be most remembered for? Um, you know, people ask you that a lot, and they ask you those kinds of questions in your interviews, but I think that integrity is the number one trait for anybody. I don't have to worry about what comes out of my mouth. I don't have to remember what I said to somebody because yeah. it's, it's honor first, Mm -hmm. uh, integrity and doing what's right. Yeah. And when you work in mission-driven work, you work for a nonprofit, my whole career, I used to always joke around, I don't know if I could work for a for-profit company because yeah. I try to get everything for free anyway. Yeah. But um, <laughs> um, I want to be remembered for the changes that I was made. It's that old ad adage of leave it better than you found it. And mm -hmm. I was brought up that way. So yeah. brought up in a family of service and um, right. you can feel really good about the work that you do. If you feel really good about it, like you said, then you're not really working. Absolutely, absolutely, and just yeah, integrity and and uh, you know that there's there's so many questions that come to mind that I, I you know love to ask you you know we we've been talking through some of the the places that we wanted to go on our on our in our conversation being a part of a nonprofit versus a for profit how would you define success what does what does success look like well for profit organizations are there to they have their own mission obviously any product company or whatever but it's their success that helps pay for nonprofits. And we can never lose sight of that. Yeah. So our donor money is somebody else's success. Yeah. So I always look at, when you say what success looked like in initiatives, it's honoring the donor as well. It's saying that because you are successful, you are giving your disposable income or yeah. a portion of your budget to us to do good. 
Yeah. And so how are we going to steward those dollars and, and use what you've given us to fulfill a mission to serve people so that they can live their best lives? Yeah. And so if you look at it from just that whole holistic point of view, mm -hmm. it's innovation. Yeah. It's, mm. it's healthcare is in a disruptive state 99.9% .9 of the time. <laughs> so how do we get in front of that disruption? Yeah. How do we innovate? How do we, with always with the patient in mind, how do we serve more patients yeah. and make them whole so they can live their best lives? Because then they're tax paying citizens mm -hmm. then, that then help corporations make money yeah. and then help turn it back to give it to us. Yeah. And, you know, and that's great. I'm just throwing that question out there on just the definitions of success. But even like you said, you know, just the disruptive state of insurance and talking with Amy the other day, it's like things are changing and like almost daily. And so, you know, staying on top of that, you know, and mm -hmm. she's talking about times where she just have just a few minutes and she's on researching and just wanting to stay ahead of things just because you know you know that's what we do and we want to advocate and be friend uh, to our patients and, and caregivers so how do we dream big how yeah. do we at psi with these talented people that we have as part of our organization and our patient advocates how do we all dream big so that we can uh, move our mission forward in ways we may not even be thinking about yeah yeah absolutely absolutely that leads to another question I'd love to ask is um, about leadership. Uh, what makes a great leader, an effective leader? Uh, somebody that listens first and talks second, mm -hmm. number one, mm -hmm. and um, uh, with the heart of a teacher and a mentor. Um, you can, if you're good at what you do and you've got a good product to sell, mm -hmm. you can sell the product. Mm -hmm. So. If I'm good at, at um, innovation and nonprofit management and fundraising and advocacy, yeah. give me a good product, I'll sell it. I might I have to learn about PSI's products yeah. because you can be the best at what you're doing. But you know, I have so so I want to tap into the knowledge and the expertise that we have in the team yeah. and let them tap into my knowledge and expertise from coming in on the outside yeah. and that leadership style is horizontal it's not vertical absolutely it's, it's truly um collaborative and team building and uh, is that what you love most about leading in, in, in your role as, as the leader what's your favorite part of being a leader success i'm pretty competitive yeah <laughs> yeah and so one person can't be successful it takes a team yeah and if right. you ever and you can't i mean even you say, you know, some things that are important to me, I can't lose sight of that. It's not yeah. about me. It's about our patients. It's about how we all work together. Rising tide lifts all boats. Yes. No. And it does. hundred percent. hundred percent. I love hearing that. Um, uh, would love to invite you to, to share a word uh, to perhaps a patient uh, has just been recently diagnosed that's listening and watching this rare perspectives podcast uh, video cast right now what would you like to say to them right now um i know a story of a little of a family um whose child was just diagnosed with something very rare disease and just um an acquaintance not really a, a friend just an acquaintance and i heard about it and the first thing i did was um, call Mandy in our office and say, do we have a fund for this disease? And she said, no, should we start researching it? Because it's very rare. Mm -hmm. And I said, let me find out more. And this has just had to do with a 
family whose little boy was just diagnosed with this. And so it's having that inquisitive mind and having an opened mind to say, if we don't have a fund for it, we'll do the research and we'll open the fund so that we can help patients. We'll figure out how we, how we get money into that fund. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways to do that. But um, so we want to hear from our patients. Yeah. We, we love finding out what the need is. Yeah. And then we want to put a stake in the ground perhaps on some of these diseases that, that aren't as um, well-funded as they should be and say, well, we're going to tackle that. What are our goals? Yeah. Yeah, we know there's a, we know the need is there. Absolutely, meeting resources to needs. Yeah, and you know my um, I volunteered for an organization years ago uh, after my mother died, and I was standing in a getting a tour of the hospital and um, saw a new type of radiation that at that time pinpointed cancer cells, mm-hmm. like a laser focused. It hadn't come out yet, wow. and they happened to be talking about her exact cancer and how this was promising. And I thought, well, then I can help so somebody else doesn't go through I, what I went through yeah. with her. And I, I can't lose sight of that. Yeah. I mean, that's just who I am. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it, it reminds me of, um, there's a song by an artist named Brooke Frazier uh, called Albertine about her time in Africa and Rwanda. Of course, Rwanda had the genocide in the early 90s and just so tragic. And in the songs, as I have seen, now I'm responsible. Right. That's great. I love that quote. I may have to use it. I'll send you a link to the song. <laughs> it's, it's powerful. But, you know, and of course, you know, my family's been involved in Rwanda. So it just it hits, it hits hard for me. But it's, you know, it really is when we're doing the work that we're doing. And, you know, we've seen now we're responsible. Uh, to, to steward it well, isn't it? What we've been given and what we've been seeing. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that is our way of life. When people say, oh, you guys moved to um, Kentucky, Anna, to take care of a family member. Wow. No, that's what you do. That's right. And our worst day is better than my brother-in-law's day. And so yeah. we have an obligation to make his life as best as we can. Yeah. Perspective and appreciation, yeah. isn't it? Yes. You know, to be able to get to do what we do is, it's a privilege, it's an honor, and just to appreciate it because not all are able to, or that to be able to be a voice for someone else, or to put our arms around them and say, let's walk together. Right. So that helps us um, make it easy to keep learning yeah. and growing and innovating. Yeah. And so with, with that question there, it leads me, you know, to talk about keep learning and growing and innovating mm-hmm. um, over time. Uh, What's the most important book you've read? Lately or ever? <laughs> let's, let's, let's do um, lately and then let's do ever. Let's do, why not two? Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because there's a, a group of people at PSI that uh, we have a book club and they were reading Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I read a bunch of her stuff and yeah. so I'm reading it um, while listening to it because mm-hmm. <laughs> listening to it on audiobooks um, because I want to know what they're reading, you know, yeah. in, internally. And so I want to re-familiarize myself with her work and um, she is truly amazing. Um, I, you can do webinars, real quick webinars for leadership training and just development and stay in front of it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, I lived in, in Metro Louisville. So David Novak is the former uh, CEO of Yum Brands. Okay. Uh, which is KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he um, has written a couple different books and did a leadership program for nonprofits. 
several years ago where we had to spend three days with him. And so I follow um, David Novak's stuff because I think it, it, his book is called um, Taking People With You. Okay. And I thought it was wonderful. So those, those are two. Um, and then I've been, I read um, another book called My, um, I'm sorry, No Ego by okay. Cy Wakeman. Okay. So those are, those are work related. Yeah. Um, you know, I try to do some uh, just fun fiction too. And so my favorite author is Nora Roberts. And okay. I bet you whoever's watching would go, I know her. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. And J.D. Roth. So there's, that's, that's for my fun, you know. I love it. I love it. Reading is so, I mean, it really, when you think about your career and you just think about, the, you know, when you, what, just the power of just reading and, and just studying and reading more books and things. There's, it does something, doesn't it, too? That really feeds into confidence, success, perspective. It's, it's really is critical, isn't it? Oh, for me, it is. I mean, yeah. I got my master's later in life, and yeah. it was because I wanted to, I wanted to figure out what I was missing. Because yeah. you can do on-the-job training, yeah. uh, you know, forever, and you get on-the-job training constantly, sure. especially when you have crises that come up. But I wanted to know was I doing it right? Yeah. And so, you know, if I got that master's degree, it was, was theory informing form or was form and informing yeah. theory. And so that was one, that was the best thing I ever did for myself. And I'd highly recommend that. Just keep learning. Just uh, keep, every day you should learn. 100%. I'm, I'm working through Atomic Habits right now, uh, James Clear. And wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's a game changer. And, uh, mm -hmm. You know, immediately signed up for all of his emails. You know, which is pretty much a chapter of a book. I mean, incredible. But it's, it's just something that you know. I look back on life that when you're spending time reading, or you know, now with podcasts, do you, do you spend much time? Obviously, we're recording a podcast here. You spend much time listening to to podcasts as well on, in your busy schedule. Um, I put them on in the car. I was trying to listen to them when I run, and then I realized it wasn't running fast enough. So I've learned I got to listen to them in the car, or <laughs> walking around the house, but not when I'm running. I was just gonna. It's so funny you say that because literally, when we start talking about books, and you talk about audiobooks, my the question popped in my mind is: okay, When you run, are, are, do you listen to music? Do you listen to podcasts, audiobooks, or just nature? What's your go-to? Um, if I'm going on a walk. I will listen to an audiobook. If I'm yeah. trying to do a run, I will listen to music. There but nature, we're, we are outdoor, we're an outdoor family and we're out all the time, um, having nothing to do with anything. But when you're in the military and you have to do your training, you can't have music. Yeah. So I've, sometimes I'll, I'll turn the music off because my son, my nieces, they're all, everybody's military. And I'll think, okay, how are they doing this? Yeah. You know? And wow. so that's like to, to train my mind. Like you can, you can do it yeah. regardless of your, the world around you. That's right. Uh, then it's, it's funny this year alone, I think I've spent more time reading books, you know, from, you know, former like uh, Navy SEALs and, and such like that. And just David Goggins and Jocko Willick yes. and different folks like that. I mean, it's, it's a My whole other level. I read David Goggins book already. The, oh yeah. Can't hurt me. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. one, Jocko Willink's extreme ownership, you know, and, and it's funny now because they're taking a lot of these guys as, um, quotes, they're, they're sound bites, and they're putting like upbeat music underneath them for your playlist for working out and running. And it's, 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 it's pretty, pretty inspiring. <laughs> so anyway, I like to talk books and fitness all day with you. Uh, final question, Gwen, uh, for, uh, for you, what's uh, most important in life? Um, well, definitely family. Yeah. So what are you going to be remembered by? Yeah. Somebody 
that you don't truly die until no one ever says your name again. Mm. And so, you know, I think about that. Mm. Um, and so what do you want, what do you want people to say when you're not here anymore? Yeah. And that can be anything from your family to your job, to your friends, just anything. And so how, do, how do I treat people? It's cliche, cliche to say, treat people the way you want to be treated, but treat them better than you want to be treated. And then it, you you'll be successful. And it sounds so easy, Gunner. It's just not. It has to be a way of life. And I want PSI to succeed. I want us to surpass our wildest dreams for how many people we can help. And we can do it because yeah. we want to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you don't really die until your your name is no longer until mentioned. the you you don't die until the, until you've never until you're god i said it right the first time <laughs> I can't even get it. Um, you don't truly die until your name is never spoken again wow you know you say that i just start thinking about my dad you know right right in 2003 when he passed uh, the lung cancer and the uh, stroke and it just you know, gets me teary-eyed you know and just yeah. well even your great-grandparents yeah, yeah my great-grandmother was the first woman um to have brain surgery wow. and survive whatever this brain surgery was, but have brain surgery and survive. And I think back to that, I'm like, gosh, I wish I could ask her about that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Wow. Well, Gwen, uh, thank you so much uh, for you. being with us on Rare Perspectives and sharing uh, a little bit of your story with us and our audience. Uh, anything you'd like to leave with our audience before we uh, close out this episode? I, I'd love to meet people. So, you know, my, my door's open, my phone is available, and I encourage people to call me, talk to me, tell me their ideas, um, tell me what um, they need, because the more people we talk to, the better informed we are, and, and it'll help inform where we want to go. Well, thank you so much, Gwen. Thank you for thank joining you. us here on Rare Perspectives, and uh, to the audience watching or listening, uh, thank you for being with us. So we invite you to check out our archives, Apple, Spotify, can be on IGTV, Facebook, YouTube, our website, uh, SoundCloud. You can find us anywhere. We invite you to check out, listen to some of our previous episodes, write a review, share it with your friends and network. Uh, together, let's share these stories. Uh, thanks again for joining us here on Rare Perspectives. You've been listening to Rare Perspectives, a podcast by Patient Services Incorporated. To learn more about the work of PSI, please visit patientservicesinc.org. A special shout out to Chris Patoyo for sharing his music with us. We also want to invite you to subscribe to Rare Perspectives on iTunes or wherever you might be listening. You can also tell us what you think by writing a review. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to you joining us next time when we go beyond the diagnosis and explore the heart of the experience.